Not only is it good to be here and worship the Lord together, it's so great to be in the holiday season, um, in the Advent season, where we take time to prepare and, and remember this amazing event that happened. And as I was thinking about the Christmas season and, and the verse that I want to share with you tonight, um, the verse actually is very familiar to us. You'll, you'll understand when I read it in just a moment. It's, it's from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. It's a passage that uh, Pastor Frank has selected that we're focusing on over the next several weeks leading up to Advent. And the words are so familiar because uh, they're a part of the Hallelujah Chorus, a part of uh, you know, music that we've heard, that we hear all the time. And, and even though this isn't the exact part, it got me to thinking of something that we did. Remember when flash mobs were kind of a big thing a few years ago? And does anybody remember when we went to Buckland Hills Mall and did this Hallelujah Chorus flash so I remember that. Was anybody there? Like a couple of you? Some of you might not even know that. It's hard to believe it's been four years. But let's watch a piece of this because uh, I found like seven or eight YouTube videos. Like people took all this stuff. That was us at a Buckland Hills Mall just four years ago. it wasn't really like a flash mob because a bajillion people showed up. I mean, the word got out and everybody came from everywhere. And it's like you kind of knew what was going on and, every, and everybody was packed in. But it was just so cool uh, to be able to do that. And the music is so familiar. And even if you don't know it, you start to hum along. And, and there's another part of, of the Hallelujah Chorus. Um, it handles Messiah, not the Hallelujah Chorus, but it handles Messiah. That takes its text from Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6. And you guys know these words. They sound so familiar. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can you hear the music? Does anybody know the music? Can you just hear it? Like, For unto us a child is born. I was going to sing it, but that's probably a bad idea. Nobody joined in with me. Jamie, you, you left me hanging, Jamie. Uh, all right, that's all right, Jamie. We'll work on it for next time. But, but we know that, right? It gets ingrained in our mind. This becomes such powerful words when it's set to that powerful music. And, of course, this is a powerful prophecy of God sending his Messiah, sending, sending the one who would be the savior of his people, and, and, and laying out these titles of this one who's going to come, that this son is going to be born, this child is going to be born, that we celebrate at Christmas, and this child is going to have these titles. And of course, we believe that it is Jesus Christ himself who has these titles. 
because Jesus' life, the way, the, what he did, fulfilled the prophecies that were written about him, but because also that Jesus verbally claimed those prophecies and said, I am the one. Yes, these are written about me. So by his words and by his actions, Jesus laid claim to these prophecies. And we now know that it is Christ that Isaiah was talking about that the people were looking forward to. And we've been, we're going to spend wonderful weeks this Advent thinking about these titles. And tonight I want us to reflect on them as well, that Jesus Christ is our wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Our associate pastor, uh, Pastor Peter, did a great job last Sunday of talking about Jesus as wonderful counselor. And he opened up our scripture in Luke 1 where Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist, does this wonderful prophecy, kind of this song that says, Jesus is going to fulfill prophecy. And you, my son, John the Baptist, you're going to be the one to prepare the way uh, for this great event that's happening, for this light that's coming into the darkness. And a wonderful counselor, as Peter told us, uh, counselor means someone who puts things into action. He lays out plans that are going to happen, and they're wonderful. They're good plans. They're things that God has designed um, that will just bring about amazing things because that's who God is. And certainly Jesus Christ is amazing, and he's wonderful, and he came to bring God's kingdom, God's wonderful plan for this world. And then the next two ones, Mighty God and Everlasting Father. This weekend, we're looking at Mighty God. Next weekend on Sunday morning, we're going to talk about Everlasting Father. By these titles, I'm just struck how, how we see the divinity of Jesus. Because it says that he's God. Jesus is not just a man. This is something we've really been trying to emphasize in teaching uh, the young people this semester, the junior high and high school students, because we, we heard reports that across this nation, high school students, they don't have this understanding that Jesus was both God and man, that there's a real lack of understanding that he's both, that Jesus is truly God. He's all of the fullness of God in human form, and he's truly man. But to call Jesus the mighty God is to say that he is God. That he is divine. And to say that he's the Father, well, Jesus himself said in John chapter 10 that I and the Father are one. And when he did that, the people got so riled up that they picked up stones. They wanted to kill him. So they knew what he was saying. He's saying, I am God. If I'm going to say I and the Father are one, then I'm saying I am equal with God. When you see me, you see God. And Jesus went on to say, not only that, I am the Messiah. I'm the one that's been promised. I am the descendant of David that's going to sit on David's throne and establish a kingdom that will last forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, that word everlasting is a sign of Jesus' divinity, isn't it? That he's the everlasting father, that he that never ends, that he's eternal, that he's forever. And when we say mighty God, it's the power that he has. So we see that by calling Jesus father and God, we're, we're acknowledging his divinity. And by saying that he's mighty and everlasting, we're kind of talking about the quality of the divinity of God. And, of course, the last one is the Prince of Peace. And, and I'm going to save that one a little bit because in two weeks we're going to be able to talk about that as we have Tabernacle. We won't have Tabernacle next week because we hope you'll all be out of great joy um, celebrating the Christmas season out there. Um, but we certainly need to know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace at this time in our lives, don't we? I mean, it, it, is a, it is a tumultuous time that we're living in with the things that have happened in our society uh, between what's happened in Ferguson, Missouri, and Staten Island, New York. Um, uh, there's uh, racial tensions. Are, are, I don't even know if it's an all-time high, but as I was talking with a friend of mine, it seems like it's been a long time since it's been this bad. And uh, we really need God's peace. We really need Jesus to be the Prince of Peace because Jesus said that, that my followers should be about peace. 
You know, that they should be about reconciliation because Jesus came to reconcile us and the entire world uh, to God, uh, to himself. So tonight I just want to hone in for just a few minutes on what it means that Jesus is the mighty God. And this is our practice. More of what I want to do is just kind of, kind of be your tour guide a little bit. Just kind of point out some thoughts that come to mind and invite us into a season of prayer in just a minute where we can really communicate and dwell upon the fact that Jesus is the mighty God. Uh, so another verse I want to share with you, this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, and I think of it when I hear the phrase that Jesus is the mighty God. It's Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, and it says this. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. And I think of that verse, of course, at Christmas because we celebrate that God is now with us. That's what Emmanuel means, that God is with us. And not only is he with us, but he has power that is for us. It says that he's going to love us. And, and, and that there may have been some, some rebuke and discipline that God needs to do, but there comes a time when he says, that's finished. And now I want to, in my love, I want to sing over you. I want to sing a song of creation over your life. You know, that, that God is the all-powerful. I mean, the most powerful thing in the universe is God, right? And all of that power was in Jesus Christ. And when we think about this, let's think about this for a moment. Normally when we come to prayer, you know, what kind of things do we ask for that almighty power for, right? Because we have a variety of things that we're, we're asking for almighty power because we want to find a good parking spot at the mall, right? And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it is kind of funny. It is almost an imbalance of how much power is needed, you know. So maybe we're just asking God for a little bit of his power in that instance, you know. Um, or maybe we're asking for a date for Saturday night, you know. That's why we end Tabernacle at 8.30, so you can still go out afterwards. We're asking God for a date for Saturday night or maybe for admission to college or, or we're asking God for the right job, you know, that job that pays us well and affirms us and that we really love going to every day, Right? And everybody has that kind of job, right, <laughs> that pays you what it should. Everyone affirms you. You just love going there every day, right? And we ask God for these things. We, we ask God. We said, God, mighty in power, will you do this? Will you bring your power to bear? And, and, and a lot, we do so because there's this belief that's growing in us if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the mighty God, that he has the power to do this, right? And we ask for all kinds of things from everyday things to really kind of heavy things, like, like sometimes we're asking God to heal someone from cancer or, or to bring back a loved one who, who, who is, uh, you know, that we've become estranged from. Or, or we're asking God to heal a chronic depression. You know, we're just asking for God's power to come in a situation. And um, sometimes we wonder where that, that power, God, you're the, Jesus, you're the mighty God. You have all this power. So when Jesus came, people found themselves kind of in that same place of faith and kind of wondering, well, well is, is, this, is he really the mighty God? Does he really have all the power that he says he has? And, and I was struck in thinking about this, that when Jesus came in power, often the most power he showed was to the people who had the least amount of power, to the people who were marginalized the most, to the people who were kind of like pushed out or forgotten by society. He came with power. And what was the purpose of Jesus' power? This is what gets me. The purpose of Jesus' power is not to show off, 
you know, or is not to just say, look at me, I'm so great, which he has all the right in the world to do. I mean, God can do that because he's God. But it says in the verse that he'll take great delight in you, that he loves you. And when Jesus came on this earth in power, it was to tell people that God loves you, that you are loved. Society is telling you you're not loved. If you're blind, you're not loved. You don't have a position in this society. We're going to set you off to the side. And Jesus came with power to give sight, not just for the sake of power, which he could have done, and not just for the sake of saying, I I truly am God, which he could have done, but in that moment, he's also saying, and I love you. Your life matters. You have value to my Father and I. And I can speak with authority because the Father and I are one. And you are loved. And my power is being poured out into your life. And those who were lame received the power to walk. And those who had leprosy, and of course lepers were, couldn't participate in society at all and, and were the outcasts of the outcasts, and the untouchables. And Jesus touched them. He went to them and he healed them. And he said, God's power is here because he loves you. But there were others who didn't receive God's power, who kind of wanted a taste of it, but, but they couldn't quite bring themselves to really accept it or believe it. Think of the rich young man who wanted to be with Jesus, and Jesus said, sell everything you have, and he said, I can't do that. He walked away from the power. I think about Judas. Judas, one of the disciples who was with him the whole time, who saw everything all the other disciples did, who witnessed all the power of Christ, and he turned his back on Jesus and said, no, no. Then there were others who wanted Jesus' power, but they wanted it on their own terms. You're the mighty God, Jesus. You're the Messiah. Well, then kick these Romans out. Come on. Set up the government with us in charge. Pay back all of these guys for what they've done to us. Come on, Jesus. Start the revolution. Jesus said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Because Jesus' power in our lives is first shown in that he came to defeat sin in our life. He came to forgive us of our sin and thus reconcile us to God. And then he rose again from the dead, right? And he showed that he had power over the grave. And what we got to realize is that after that, what, what else is there? <laughs> what else can do it? I mean, come on. If, if death can't even hold us anymore, right? If we don't have to fear death, then we don't have to fear anything. Jesus doesn't need to change our government right now. Jesus doesn't need to send fireballs from heaven at all of our enemies because he's defeated death. And if he's defeated death, then there's nothing we have to fear. There's nothing that can come against us. There's nothing that can separate us from God. And we need to understand that Jesus said, look, I'm coming, first of all, to be with you. And then to show you that I'm for you. And then to give you hope of a future and a kingdom where everything is going to be right. But it's going to start slow and it's going to grow. And I believe the same is true for us tonight. That first of all, we got to remember that Jesus is with us. That God is with us. And that's enough. That's enough. He doesn't come in to do all this stuff. He comes in just to be with us. First of all, think about how Jesus came. Jesus didn't come doing a lot of things, did he? Because Jesus came as a baby. Man, this blows my mind. The mighty God of the universe. All of that power. He went to a powerless young girl. A woman, a young person, you know, who, who was engaged to be married and said, you're going to be pregnant. I mean, he put her in an even more vulnerable position. He came to someone who was powerless and weak and vulnerable, and he said to her, the almighty power of God is going to be placed inside of you. Wow, isn't that amazing? The almighty God would be placed 
inside. And how did Jesus come into this world as a baby? He came in powerless. And he came in needy and dependent upon people. And in fact, they were homeless. And they were poor. And that's how the mighty God comes into the world because he says, listen, I'm not coming right now. I'm not coming right now just to throw lightning bolts and fireballs around and to do all of this stuff. I'm coming just to be with you. And I'm going to go to the extreme. I'm going to be a babe. You're going to have to take care of me. You're going to have to, God says to Mary, you're going to have to change the mighty God's diaper. And you're going to have to hold the mighty God. And you're going to have to care for the mighty God. And you're going to have to nurture the mighty God. Because Jesus says, I'm just with you first. And then when he began to teach and when he began to, when he began to heal and began to minister, he began to tell people, I'm for you. I'm with you first, and then I want you to know that I'm for you. And if God is with us and God is for us, then who can be against us? And at the right time, he conquers sin and death and says, now you have nothing to fear. For if God is with us and God is for us, then nothing can come against us and nothing can separate us. And that's really the message I wanted to share with you tonight. That Jesus Christ very God himself, the mighty God, that he is with you, that he is for you. And because he is for you, then nothing can come against you and nothing can separate you from the love of God. So fascinated by this theme last year that we had a, a theme at Christmas called Fragile Wonder. And uh, Matt wrote a song about Fragile Wonder just like he wrote that song about True North that we had tonight. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing that. And, and part of the song of this song that he wrote about fragile wonder is that God is with us, God is for us. Emmanuel. You know, God is with us and God is for us. It's such a powerful thing. When we know, when we know that God has the power to act in our lives, we can trust that he's just there, right? He's just there. He doesn't even need to exercise that power when we have that confidence. You know what I'm talking about? I had a friend in seventh grade, James. I loved James. James was great. James in seventh grade, unfortunately, was about 270 pounds. James was a big, big boy. And he ended up losing 100 of those pounds over the next two years. But when I would walk with James, James didn't even have to do anything. I just had to walk with him and nobody would mess with me, you know, because James was there. And people just took one look at James and was like, whoa, that guy's got to have some power, right? And he was my friend. And I knew that he was with me. And I knew that he was for me, and no matter what happened, that he would protect me. In fact, he did once. <laughs> One time a kid rode up on a bike, and he was mad at me, and he punched me in the nose. And, and by the time my eyes opened, James was sitting on top of him, just holding him down, you know. <laughs> the guy's flailing and screaming. I mean, what confidence I had as, as a young junior high kid, that I had this friend that was with me, and he was for me. I mean, just think about that with Jesus. I mean, God himself, how much even greater is that? That he's with us. And sometimes we forget. We're not consciously aware that he's with us all the time. And then not only is he with us, he's for us. And in his wisdom and his love and, and his righteousness and his sovereignty, he's going to act on our behalf at the right time and in the right places. And we can be confident in that, right? Amen. I hope that's good news for somebody tonight. I hope somebody really needs to hear that God is with you, that God is for you. And that he is mighty to save. He is mighty to act on your behalf. So let's pray for a minute before we sing a couple more songs. I'm going to invite you to pray. You can close your eyes or whatever you want to do just to get into a space of meditation and reflection. And I kind of want to put some specifics to what I'm talking about. So I'm going to invite you, as we've done before, um, think about 
Think about an event or, or, or maybe an encounter you had with someone that you know in your life that happened maybe yesterday. Yesterday or today. Just whatever your mind comes to, all right? Think about something that happened and, and the relationship that was involved, whether it was a family, friend, a coworker, all right? And I want you to picture that scene with Jesus Christ with you. Okay, so just picture that scene and picture that Jesus Christ is with you. And just think, when that thing happened that you're thinking about right now, were you aware that Christ was with you in that moment? Just kind of dwell on that for a minute. Hmm, how does that change things, that, that Jesus Christ, his presence was with me, whether it was a conversation or an encounter, whatever it was?